Hello, hello, lovely listeners, all of you ghouls and goblins, and everything in between. Welcome to Across the Veil with Zelda Kimball and Emma Ragsdale. So, Emma, did I pick this creature because it has a fun name to say? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's okay with me. Yeah. You know, we've done this for about three years now. Oh my Across god. Across the Veil's been going on for about three years now. That's crazy. And we're not running out of things to talk about, no. but we are having like a fun time trying to find very unique and interesting creatures. Exactly. So I found this creature while doing surface level research on other folklore that I was kind of, you know, thinking about mm-hmm. doing episodes about. And there was something about the name that I was like, I remember this. And it's a character from one of my favorite shows, The Owl House, which is on Disney. Uh, It's a pretty fun, it's like a fun little Gravity Falls-esque show. If you Mm -hmm. haven't seen it, you like witches, I recommend it. And it's from um, The Witcher too, right? Yes. uh, Neither of these creatures have anything to do with the actual creature (laughs) that I'm going to talk about. But the name tickled something in me. They like the name too, clearly. Yep. That rabbit hole inspired this episode. And we haven't really explored Slavic folklore or history on this podcast before. I think the only time we did was when we did Grilla. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was Slavic. Yeah, so is it from the colder regions. Exactly. It's yeah. been a minute, though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is some Slavic folklore and history, and I thought this would be something kind of fun and new for all of us. Hell yes. So this week's creature is called the Kikimora. She's a feminine house spirit that's found in Slavic mythology. She's really interesting because based on how the household is managed and which male counterpart she's paired up with, she's either a benevolent or malevolent spirit. And listen, I don't usually endorse girls who change their personalities based on their boyfriends, but discussing a triad of entities found in Slavic paganism Mm. sounded fun. Oh, yes. So yeah, there's like, she's got many faces, many facets. Yeah, I'm also malevolent with the wrong man. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of us are. So, as always, let's get into the etymology of the word Kikimora and see what that can tell us about the creature herself. Most scholars agree that the root of her name is the word Mora, and in Proto-Slavic, Proto-Slavic describes Slavic speech from about the second millennium BC throughout the sixth century AD. It's the word for nightly spirit or bad dream. And it's also related to the Proto-Germanic word Maron, which has become the modern English nightmare. Ooh. Yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. That's really fun. Similarly, in Polish folklore, Mora refers to the souls of people that leave the body at night and are seen as wisps of straw, hair, or even as moths, which I kind of like the idea that, like, moths are souls. Yeah, I like that too. Moths are one of the few bugs that I will put up with. (laughs) Yeah, you're not a bug person. No. I also think that um, the name Mara, I'm pretty sure that that means something like dark or like dark dreams. That's another, like, connection to Mora. Speaking of, Mara is the name of a spirit from ancient mythology in this region that took the form of a beautiful woman and she would enter men's dreams and torture them with desire, dragging the life out of them. Now we just have OnlyFans. <laughs> Thank you, I was proud of that one. I like that I, one. I wrote that and I was very proud. <laughs> Torturing men with desire. Yeah, OnlyFans. OnlyFans, obviously. For a small, small monthly fee. <laughs> Others link the etymology to similar meanings and concepts like crookedness, crying, or howling, These all make sense because the Kikimora is said to be one of the earliest explanations for sleep paralysis. Really? Yeah, it's said that she would sit on your chest, paralyzing the victim with thoughts of despair, unable to move or cry out. Sounds like depression. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
I mean, you know about sleep paralysis. We've talked about it in some of our other kind of possession or our doppelganger episodes. Yes, this is true. So yeah, this is, they were kind of like, oh, your sleep paralysis, you might have a kikimora on you. I mean, it always makes sense to me when people talk about sleep paralysis and they thought that it was a demon of some sort because it's a terrifying experience. And of course you, when you don't understand the science behind sleeping, you're going to be like, oh, I see a dark shape in my room. I feel Mm -hmm. like something is crushing me demonic spirit demonic entity yeah it's like a okay that makes sense to me in mm-hmm. my brain that doesn't know about science the and the description that you gave just now of it like sitting on your chest that's similar to that one painting that mm-hmm. everybody talks about with little gargoyle boy on it yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the kikimora takes on many different depictions throughout mythology and regions so i've compiled some of the most popular ones for you today she is said to have a chicken's beak or even a duck's bill. And sometimes she might even have the snout of a dog. So it seems that there's always some animal aspect to her that makes her not quite human. But other than that, she's always depicted as feminine, appearing either as a young, beautiful woman, an old woman, a household servant, or an ancestor. So kind of similar as well to like the trio like the three women. Emma, we're Emma, reading each we other's brains. Oh my god. It's, it's hidden right now. Same page, same, same brain. brain. Yes. yes. So what I thought was really interesting about that was that it heavily relates to neo-paganism e. and the ideology of the triple goddesses, the maid, the mother, and the crone. Mm-hmm. Speaking of paganism, I think it's time for a history religion lesson. <laughs> we're going to do a little sidebar into Slavic paganism because there's some really interesting things in here that I think everyone's gonna find deliciously fascinating. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Yes, (laughs) teach me. So Slavic paganism encompasses the belief system, mythology, ritual, and religious practices of the Slavs before Christianization, which was a slow burn that happened in stages between the eighth and 13th centuries. In the area that is now modern Russia, Christianization was pretty superficial, but in modern Ukraine, it was stronger because everyone was closer to the capital city of Kiev. But popular resistances heralded by pagan priests and shamans happened periodically for centuries. Slavic indigenous religion was heavily incorporated into Slavic Christianity, which is why I said it was superficial before. Mm -hmm. You can see this manifested in iconography and architecture throughout the Russian church. Mm -hmm. So basically they were like, come join Christianity. And they were like, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, some of this, okay, but like, I I guess. (laughs) And then I feel like it became a thing where it's like, well, you're going to kill us if we don't. Mm -hmm. Our producer. Our producer is like, we can't talk about this anymore. (laughs) She's like, I don't want to talk about Christianity. (laughs) Well, sorry, producer. Pagan Slavs were largely monotheistic, with a single heavenly god who created the lesser spirits that they worshipped. Major categories of these spirits included water, forests, fields, households, which is where our gal the Kikimora is, illnesses, luck, and human ancestors were also kind of part of this pantheon of gods, which I think is very fascinating because in a lot of other religions, it's like, oh, the creatures are there. But in this one, it's like, yeah, if granddad's still kicking around, (laughs) he might be causing some mischief. He just might. I like that. They also worshipped star gods like the moon and the sun. And what's really interesting is that the moon god was regarded as male while the sun god was female. And I think that's a really fun contrast to belief systems like the ancient Greeks and Romans who had, you know, Diana slash Artemis as Mm -hmm. their 
moon goddesses and Apollo and Sol as the male sun gods. We got a man in the moon moment right here. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, the moon, that's a dude. And other cultures are like, you silly boy. You silly boy. That's a lady. But no, I just think it's kind of a fascinating mm-hmm. difference in like culture that oh, I yeah. really wouldn't have known if I didn't go way down the <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> rabbit hole onto the moon gods of <laughs> ancient Slavic paganism. <laughs> that's a rabbit hole. I won't lie to you. In Slavic paganism, the moon god was really important, as he was believed to dispense abundance and health, and it's said that he was worshipped through round dances! Yes! Which I think is so fun! Oh yeah! It's like that thing in the sky, the thing that's round? Let's give him a dance. Let's do a circular little dance. I love it! Throughout history, we as a race have always loved dancing and orbs. Orbs! There's something so human Mm -hmm. about pondering that orb. So true. The belief and worship of these gods has persisted as folk religion up until, well, now. This resistance to total Christianity is referred to as whimsical syncretism, which was defined in Old Church Slavonic vocabulary as a double faith. Origins and lore of the Kikimora came from this time period, and the belief in the Kikimora was so strong that she survived being absorbed or adapted by Christianity. Conceptually, the Kikimora is a very important piece of the puzzle regarding the management and the harmony of a household. As with many of the creatures we discuss, there is a certain type of allegorical reason for them to exist. If a household was neat, tidy, and well-kept, the Kikimora would be pleased. It was said that if a home was overly tidy, it would bore a Kikimora and cause her to leave entirely. She's like, peace! She's like, well, I got nothing to do. Um, can you cut me early? <laughs> can I go home? <laughs> can I go home, please? Exactly. You can cut my shift. It's cool. Cut my shift. I'm fine with it. So this was kind of used as a way to remind women to keep the home clean. And while I disagree that cleanliness is just a woman's job, mm-hmm. a clean home is definitely something nice to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Children were also told that the Kikimora was attracted to noises at night. So they should be quiet and go to bed in a timely manner so that the Kikimora wouldn't give them nightmares or steal their breath. If the wife didn't keep a clean home, or if the husband was lazy or abusive, and if the children were unruly, the Kikimora would wreak havoc, which explained things like loss of household items or misfortune to family members. Household spirits cross oceans and cultures and are seen in a myriad of different global cultures, like brownies from England Mm -hmm. or the Nisei from one of our previous episodes. Yeah. So just kind of like this idea that if there's harmony, the house is going peacefully, and if there's not, it's like all the bad things that are happening are because you've upset this creature, when in reality it's probably... You can feel when there's strife in a household. Yeah, you really can. And I understand, like, kind of making that association with a spirit, because honestly, it's simpler to fix this relationship with a creature, then fix myself. Yeah, exactly. Or the relationship within my family members. Yeah. Excuses for household issues and suffering were usually aimed at the spirits, who are very sensitive to negative vibes. Same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that caused them to act out. Perhaps the reason that the Kikimora survived Christianity was because belief in her encouraged order and discipline. Also, blaming night terrors, missing objects, strange noises at night, and even sudden deaths of family members on the supernatural was probably a great way to make sense of the world. 100%. The origin of a Kikimora often involves tragedy. There is not one singular explanation for the birth of a Kikimora, 
but there are many events that could bring one into existence. The untimely death of an infant, a young child, or a woman could create a kikimura. For the elder woman, not elder, but like, yeah, woman's different from child. Uh, if she died before marriage, during childbirth, or of old age, like the three goddesses before, mm -hmm. this could turn her into a kikimura. Stillborn children, miscarriages, and children who died before baptism were also said to become kikimura, or a plethora of other spirits. And I think this is very important to be like, oh, if something tragic has happened to this child, it's not just dead and gone, mm -hmm. it becomes part of the like overarching structure yeah. of a family, even in like the paranormal or supernatural ways. It hasn't left. Yeah, it's not gone, gone. It's just not here. here. It's reminiscent as well of changelings. Are you about to get into that? Actually, yes. <laughs> Same brain. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, that's a great point. It's kind of this... Like, my baby is sickly, it died, but it wasn't my fault and it wasn't the baby's fault. It's because another creature came and stole it away. Mm -hmm. And the baby is actually fine, it's just in the fairy realm. It's an easier way to rationalize tragedy if you can say, like, this is gone in this form, but it has changed into something Absolutely. more than us as, like, humans. Yes. Women who committed suicide or matriarchs whose souls would refuse to leave home after death could also become kikimura. Hmm. So, like, there's a lot of ways to do this. Yeah. Every family kind of has one. Another common Kikimura origin would have a woman be seduced by a devil, and then she would give birth to a Kikimura. This fear is very common in other changeling lore. Scholars Maria Leach and Jerome Fried write that the keyhole, in common with the door, chimney, or other openings of the house, is a place for the entrance of demons, witches, or the devil. If the key is left in the keyhole, no evil spirit can enter. Fear of the open keyhole is especially great when there is a newborn child in the house, on account of the belief in changelings. Odd behavior in children was often thought to be due to changeling mischief, so some parents would even refuse to teach their children to read ahead of their age group because the community could find this trait peculiar and supernatural. Classic, I feel like they do that about women as well. The Kikimura was also associated with witches, as are most feminine entities, I feel like it's kind of an umbrella yeah. term. It's oh, like, yeah. women, witches. Witch. Witches could be linked with the creation of a kikimora. And how do you make a witch? Well, according to folklorist Andreas Johns, folk belief provides many explanations for how women become witches. The seventh girl born in a family becomes a witch, or in three generations of girls being born out of wedlock, the third generation girl becomes a witch. Or, simply, a dying witch transfers her powers to another woman. Hmm. So it really could just be at any point in time. Yeah, silly things. But yeah, basically, there's a lot of ways that kikimoras could be created, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting because then it's really regional and home folklore is like, here's our story. So yeah. that's why there's just so many ways, ways that she has become. Mm -hmm. Now that we've talked a bunch about women, let's okay. talk about the boys. As I said before, there are two different attitudes of a kikimora. One is said to come from the forest and is married to the domovoi. The other is from the swamp and is married to leshy. First, we're talking about the domovoi, who are masculine Russian Slavic household spirits. They're usually thought to be spirits of the founders of the family, and their duty is to protect their kin and their house. In pre-Christian Eastern and Southern Slavic religions, 
Rod was the name given to the god of family, and the Domovoi is seen as an embodiment of him. He's said to live behind the stove, and one of his favorite punishments when a family is bad is to burn the house down. Oh my god. <laughs> zero to 60. Yeah, zero to 60. The Kikimura's like, I'm just gonna be mad and I'll probably leave. And he's like, I'll burn it to the ground. <laughs> in order to bring a domovoi from one house into another, for example, if you were moving houses, was to bring embers from the old fire into the new space. And the domovoi would enter as the new hearth was lit. If a domovoi was not invited into the new home, then he as a stubborn old man, would remain in the previous space and even fight with the domovoi of the new tenants, which was troublesome to all parties. Mm -hmm, I bet it is. Having two of them who both might burn the house down. They're like, wait a minute, what what are you you doing here? What are you doing here? Mm -hmm. There's also just something kind of beautiful about like bringing embers from your old house and using those to light the fire in the new house. That just feels Mm -hmm. kind of like a nice cyclical reminder. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful way to do it. This is still home. This is still family. Even if it's, you know, you've moved because of, you know, war or Mm -hmm. strife or something. Like in these days, a lot of bad shit happened. Yeah. You've brought the spirit of home with you. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely sentiment. Also kind of reminded me a bit of Howl's Moving Castle. Yes, exactly. Having him be like the little ember who controls the household. And now we have centralized, you know, air and heat. So Mm -hmm. it's not super important now. (laughs) But the hearth was such a big place in homes in this time. Hearth is the heart of the house. Exactly. It's the warmth. Mm Mm-hmm. He's depicted as an elderly bearded man and is usually referred to as grandfather or himself. Sometimes supper was even left out overnight for him to snack on while he bustled around the home, protecting the family from harmful spirits that might try to intrude. The Kikimora in this form served as his feminine counterpart, and they would control the household in harmony. Love that. It is very heterosexual, but, you know, that's... That's what it was. That's what it was back in those days. Um, So we will point it out, but also... You know, they had a way of understanding the world that was in much more of a binary than we do. And now I feel like you can change the idea of the spirits however feels most comfortable to you. Yeah, and also, do spirits necessarily have to have a gender? No, they can just be kind of like feminine or masculine, Mm -hmm. whatever the home needs. The Kikimora linked with Leshy, however, whole different story. Leshy is a forest spirit whose job is protecting plants, wildlife, and trees from harm caused by humans. Yep. He allows for respectful harvesting and hunting, but you gotta be careful not to overdo it. Carol Rose, a scholar, describes him as having the shape of a human, but with strangely pallid flesh, green eyes, a green beard, and long scraggly hair, wearing his boots on the wrong feet and throwing no shadow. He's the bad boy. He's, he's the bad boy. He's the, the vegan you date in your early 20s. <laughs> The rock star. Exactly. It reminds me, going back to neo-paganism, it's reminiscent of the green man. Yep. I really like how, you know, the good boyfriend is, like, in charge of protecting the home, and this guy's out running wild and free. It's just an interesting difference in, Mm -hmm. especially how we conceptualize femininity, being like, oh, if it's home, you're in, like, a happy little household. Mm -hmm. But if she's being bad, she's running wild in the woods with the wood god. Yep. Sounds kind of fun. Sounds very fun. The Leshy was a shapeshifter that could stand as tall and in the likeness of forest trees, or he could assume the size of a blade of grass. He knew and could make every noise of the forest, deceiving humans who strayed there. 
So I'm into him. I'm very into Leshy. He's I like, like him. all right, impressions. <laughs> <laughs> Love me a man who can do impressions. The Kikimora associated with Leshy is drawn to households with dark energy. She enters through the keyhole and makes herself known by leaving behind wet footprints in the morning. She breaks objects, steals things, and causes curses and nightmares. On occasion, she is said to abduct children who were abandoned by their parents, something Leshy is also said to do. She's got her two boyfriends, and they're she very does. different, but she's having a good time with both of them. Exactly. She's not changing herself for either one of them. She's just letting another side of herself be free. Mm-hmm. And yeah, kind of going back to, like, the chaos and strife versus order mm -hmm. and making sure the home is, like, a happy place. Yeah. It's just another way to, like, explain, oh, these children were abandoned by their parents. They ran off to the woods. Mm -hmm. They and... didn't die. No, no. <laughs> They're in the woods. Yes, with their new parents, Leshy and Nikikimora. Yes. It also is another uh, instance of the Witcher having no idea about the creatures, that the names that they're taking. Because yeah, that feels like a lot. <laughs> the Leshy is in the Witcher, and it's nothing like that. It's nothing like... What's no. the Leshy and the Witcher like? It's... Well, it's similar in that it turns into, like, a giant tree sort of thing. Sick. Um... But then it's super, super destructive and just, like, a monster. Like, it's your classic monster. It yeah. just happens to look like a tree. So the Kikimora is definitely more of a conceptual being rather than a literal one. Because mm -hmm. I do feel like in the past we've discussed both literal and conceptual creatures. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this thing actually does exist. And it's yeah. like the Mothman. It's, you know, flying around in the sky mm -hmm. versus the Kikimora, who's more conceptual. It's like yeah. the concept of family. Mm -hmm. We've just kind of given it a name and a likeness. Yeah. But you can see traces of her legacy in modern times. In 1988, Kirill Eskov discovered a new genus and species of sheet weaver spider and named it Kikimora plausteris. One of the things that a good Kikimora would do for the household was to weave thread. Ooh. So having a spider that weaves yeah. and the Kikimora that weaves is kind of a fun connection. And the creature from the Witcher series, the Kikimora, is a giant spider. So that's mm -hmm. also kind of a connection, but it's not one to... Not a strong enough one. Not to her folklore, but to like her kind of modern connotations yeah. of being spidery. They took the scariest idea of her. Yeah. Which is spider. spider. <laughs> Even though it's not necessarily a bad thing in the actual culture, but... Yeah. You know, we're all scared of spiders, at least a little bit. It's a little, some, some of us are. Well, I am. And then, again, Kikimora is the name of a type of camouflage used by Russian and Ukrainian infantry. It's ragged and made to look like mosh, kind of like Leshy. But also, it's protective, because it's mm -hmm. camouflage, like her other aspects. Yeah. So, like, this camouflage is called Kikimora camouflage. Which yeah, that, is... That's really cool. Yeah, isn't it? That's a cooler way to bring in that, mm -hmm. like, idea and that culture. Of, like, protection, but also wild. Yeah. So, to conclude this episode, I kind of wanted to talk again about folklore being a way to understand cultures and histories that we might not come into contact with in our day-to-day. So there are centuries of stories about the Kikimora that I've had to leave out for timing reasons. So this episode is in no way a full or complete history, but I hope that you've all had some fun and learned something today. I had a lot of fun dipping my toes into Kikimora yeah. history and culture. And just kind of Slavic paganism yeah. in general, having that be something new. And it's really, really fun to watch how an idea evolves like that, how it changes over time, and also what we take with us. It's showing how similar cultures are yeah. in that good things are happening, the gods are happy. If bad things are happening, the gods are not happy. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of an interesting way that you see cultures, especially from this time period, 
make sense of the world around themselves. I always really love that. No, it just, it's kind of a nice way to think that, you know, humans at our core, we're all a lot more similar than we are Mm -hmm. different. Creating order out of chaos across cultures. Now, before we end, I have the strangest urge to wash all of our dishes. You know what? I do too. Kind of want to sweep. Gotta make the Kikimura happy. Gotta keep it tidy. But for now, we're done. So we'll see you next time. Across the face.